Welcome to Belt Loaded, the officially unofficial podcast for the Expanse on Amazon Prime Streaming. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron, and today we're talking about season five, episode seven, titled "Oh Yeah Dang." Uh, every once in a while, I get to a learn what a new belter word means, and b try and pronounce it right at the beginning <laughs> of the podcast, and this is no exception. Uh, Aaron, you looked up "Oh Yeah Dang," didn't you? What, yeah. what does it mean? So uh, Oya Deng is a is a belter uh, farewell. Say it's like essentially saying goodbye, so long. Uh, Oye is hello. Oya Deng is goodbye. Uh, so I think by the time you hit the credit sequence of this week's episode, the meaning of this will become clear. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, there's there's like a, there's a lot of open ended questions about the goodbye and like. Um, it's a weird, like, non-cliffhanger cliffhanger because I think you're supposed to understand that Naomi survives her farewell, but to what end? Because, uh, you know, she's got the, the, a hunk of junk kind of space freighter against one of the most sophisticated, well-armed ships in the solar system. So I'm very curious to see what kind of die-hard plan she comes up with to, <laughs> to, to, to get away uh, from, from Philip and, and try not to get the, the Rossi killed. Um, yeah. yeah, that's what it means. Uh, what did you think of the episode? Uh, it's good. I I really I tell you what the scene between Sin and Naomi is one of the most emotionally effective scenes that's been in this entire series. Like I can't. I really like Sin. I I, I don't. Yeah. I think the guy's just got a likable face, and he's got that kind of like big burly personality, and like the kind of instant like. Uh, father-daughter relationship that they efficiently forged with their characters uh, was is surprisingly effective because, like I said, I I found myself getting caught up in in uh, the, the 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 acting between the two. I felt genuine betrayal and 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 love and a lot of complicated stuff. Really impressed with the 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 character the, the actor that's uh, portraying Philip. I think he's doing a just a great job of 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 this kid that's being pulled between these two gravitational forces of his parents. Um, I I also really like the stuff between Bull and Holden. Like they're doing mm-hmm. a lot of stuff to um, really flesh out some of these these new characters and and have them impact the story. Um, and to get all that goodness, we had to sacrifice Amos entirely. But you know he's had he's had some pretty good showcase episodes, so I wasn't I wasn't uh, mad about that. And we got some pretty quality uh, space battle porn. Uh, in this yeah. episode, which I always like, so Any, I was anytime the PDCs camper. come on, anytime the, P- the PDCs happen, I am happy. Uh, yeah, something something about all that uh, all that tracer fire spiraling. It's 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 beautiful. It's geometric. It's exciting. Uh, I do I do love like the signature of one of the signatures of the show is the space combat and kind of the realistic uh, te- techno. Um, st- crat nature of it so mm-hmm. i thought it's cool what do you think of the episode yeah uh, i thought it was great i i was impressed by the same scenes you're talking about um I, i'm i'm freshly impressed by dominic tipper in this episode like that scene she has with philip is so complex emotionally and it it never strikes a false note you know and and he's doing uh, great work here too it's it's both of them together but I feel like it's noteworthy to to point out when an actor who's been doing good work all along kind of steps into another gear, and this scene for me was that uh, for her. But there's there's a lot of that, right? The, that scene with Sin is another standout, like you said. The, there's just so much like familial and platonic strife here uh, in this episode that's, you know, in, in a... 
I, I don't know. I think the people who are watching The Expanse are in it for things like that too, right? It's not just the every time the Rossi uh, gun ports open up and the PDCs pop out. It's uh, that's really cool too, and we love that. But yeah. it, these characters, the the way, yeah, you talked about Sin, who you really like. It's amazing to think that six episodes ago we didn't know who Sin was. We had never heard of the guy, uh, and now. We're having deeply emotional scenes with rich backstory between the two characters, and it's all working extremely well, in my opinion. Especially since some of the stuff interlocks, like the seeing drummer and her crew, which is a very young, new kind of unit. Like, and like this is a yeah. fairly freshly forged family, and how tightly knit they are. Um, seeing Sin and Naomi is just essentially like. What if what if we stayed with this crew for several years and we saw them actually form family relationships and you had like father, grandfather, son, daughter type relationships form and how much more close knit it would be. So like like and and I think the show intentionally does this stuff by showing all this stuff, how how unusually close knit like drummers group is compared to like um, the 21st century kind of faction uh, making, you know, like it's 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 not just like a, a military unit. It's not just a family unit. It's like it's not just like your coworkers. It's like all that stuff, all those bonds fused into one. Uh, it really helps us. It really helps it land. You know, they're allowed to get away with like sin having maybe fifteen minutes of screen time in the seven hours that we've seen before, and instantly, you know, we identify him as the Papa Bear being kind of torn apart, like. I, you know, hidden thing is like, you know, we were a family. I didn't want, I loved all of us. I didn't want any of us to leave. I was to, doing what I thought would, would keep us all together. Like, who, yeah. you know, what, what, who can't identify with a, a person wanting to keep their family together in For trying sure. times? Uh, and there's always trying times when you're a belter, you know? Yeah. Uh, uh, it's, uh, it, it's great. It's great. And yeah, like you said, it's, it's, um, you know, if we can get, if we can get an episode, it's got, packed with action and packed with that character development that's peak expanse for me Mm -hmm. shall we get into the uh episode proper yeah let's do it so we open up some nostalgic scenes of a much younger marco and naomi cuddling with their infant scene philip intercut with present naomi kind of looking pensive and drained and and philip reading up on his mother's exploits and ring gate uh his father interrupts Philip's reading and requests to use his ship to chain smoker uh, before taking some time to to taunt Naomi with old memories uh, and freedom of Rome about the ship. I'm not, I'm not buying it, Philip. I'm not buying it. You say the ship means nothing to you. If it doesn't mean something to you in the moment, it's going to mean something to you later. And this stuff that Naomi's saying about the price that he's going to pay for the things he's doing now, it, it couldn't be more evident. Like, giving away this ship that his mother gave him, especially with the way things go down in this episode, boy, that's got a way on you. Yeah. And and it's really telling that Philip doesn't feel comfortable telling his father the truth about what he's reading up on. Yeah. Like natural, most natural thing in the world, uh, a young boy uh, meeting his mother for the first time, finding out about her, you know, he's already got an impressive father. It probably flatters his own think to think that the flatter his own self image to think his mother is just as badass and in, in perhaps different ways and trying to find out, you know, he knows nothing about her, trying to know everything about it. Uh, but he doesn't feel comfortable letting his father know that like the way he plays that is like a kid, his parent, you know, his, his parent walks in on him jerking off or something, uh, which by the way, Philip, 
shut your door. Maybe turn it to where you're ta- like, come on, this is teenager 101. Don't have your view yeah. screen angled towards the door where people can just barge <laughs> in on you. Come on. Come on. And also, Marco, what are you doing? What do you, what are you going to, you're going to, you're going to walk on this kid doing something that you don't want to see. If not hey, today, man. Then someday. The Belter families not. are different. They're that's close. Tr- that's you true. You know, they're real close. Uh, uh, the dads walk in. Are you jerking it, son? Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, all right, well, that, don't that, that, make sure you turn on it. the suction devices. Uh, we, we turn on the ceiling <laughs> vents because we don't want that <laughs> stuff floating down the halls. Yeah, I don't want the cycler shorted out by jizz again. You know, it's, <laughs> right. that's a lot of downtime. Getting uh, yeah, the air recyclers, the- we're all going to be smelling it for weeks. Uh, it, yeah, so I I agree. Like you can imagine how much poisoning Marco's done because they haven't really they haven't really shown a lot of that. Like it's it's brought up sort of in passing every time, right? That like oh Naomi says oh he's probably poisoned you against me and and how sin helped and all that stuff. But like it's it's sort of there in the background, and this things like this sort of help to reinforce uh, the idea that Marco has been talking in Philip's ear about his mother for seventeen years or however long he's been alive. Um, yeah. and, and so you can see, like, even if it is a natural thing to be curious about your mother, this particular mom might not be something that he wants Marco know he's to know he's researching. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a uh, he he knows instinctively that this is kind of forbidden knowledge. Um, I I looked into some world building. Um, they talk about uh, palace and and how that was the site of the first victory. That's where they blew up the Sodom and Gomorrah, or whatever. Dawson Augustine, and Gomorrah. yeah, Augustine, yeah. Uh, it's the third largest asteroid in the system by size and mass, by volume and mass. Um, right behind Ceres and, and Vesta, it's 500 kilometers in diameter. This is a big rock, a really large rock. But it has a highly eccentric and elliptical orbit. So if you don't know what that means, uh, most planetoids in the solar system all orbit the same direction, kind of roughly in the same plane. Um, and they kind of have usually, you know, they're all kind of elliptical, but they have mostly circular orbits. Um, elli- elliptical means it's very oval shaped orbit and eccentric means it's tilted almost 45 degrees from the plane of the solar system. Wow. And I was wondering, like. I wonder, I, I, I instantly started wondering, like, man, is that seems like it would isolate the, the asteroid for a lot because it, 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 it required an enormous amount of delta V to, like, get out of the plane of the, of the solar system and then go visit this lonely rock. So, like, through most of its orbit, does it does it have to, does, you know, do they, like, kind of resupply and, and uh, build up on it when it's close to the plane? And then as it gets out, it kind of becomes, it's kind of like being on a deep haul, almost extra galactic cruiser. Or I wonder if da- Dan and Ty even think about that stuff when they're writing it. But it uh, yeah. it seems like it's the perfect type of place that would, would br- maybe brew a particular type of isolationist kind of, you know, militant do it for, do it, do it for yourself type of belter. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm sure they hey, have thought of that. I don't think they pick these places uh, without thinking about why they're picking them. Um, it's yeah, no, I didn't know that. That's uh, interesting information. I could totally see that factoring in. Yeah, I don't know what they do because I know like the the asteroids they picked for this earlier in the season as a meeting place had the hal- had the high albedo ratings or like super bright mm-hmm. and shiny, so you couldn't see like ships orbiting around them. Like that seems like they did handpick the location, but. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a it's a it's it's a big rock. Um, 
The other thing I thought was really cool is finding out more about Naomi's motivations for leaving. Like, it's always kind of been nebulous. These are always, like, things in her backstory that we kind of knew the rough details of. But, like, she's never come out and talked about, like, why did she leave? Why did she felt feel um, compelled? Um, and, like, Marco tries to make her feel guilty about this stuff. But uh, she's able to effectively punch back with... You know, um, the pain of losing Philip wasn't as bad as the it wasn't as bad as the relief of, of leaving you and knowing that I wouldn't have to be under your thrall anymore. And the one that particularly stung him is uh, Holden being all the things that you pretend to be, because uh, I do think yeah. there's still some jealousy here. Like, I do think oh, that Marco. Yeah, Marco really still is carrying a torch for Naomi. He even says as much like nothing ever hurt me as much as losing you. Um all these, I think, are a really toxic brew that ends up culminating in, in what we end the episode with. His kind of rather, you know, insane plot to turn his son against his mother and 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 destroy uh, Holden in front of her before spacing her. Oh yeah, no, um, he's he's a remarkably insecure man. Um, when oh, it, yes. when it comes to his his ego, his reputation, um, you know, his the perception that people have of him um he that that's very fragile and and it feels like his hold on people is very fragile as well you know it it he he is a great manipulator um and he's able to to trap people in his web with that skill but i feel like th- at any moment that whole thing could just come tumbling down and then he he would be turned on like like sin is an example of someone who is right on the 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 ragged edge here. Um, like th- there's an alternate version of this episode, I think, where when Naomi looks over at Sin, instead of turning his back on her, uh, which is t- extremely powerful and upsetting, uh, he stands up and he takes Margot's head off. Like, I I honestly believe that he is he is torn, and and there have to be people around Marco, a, a ton of them around Marco that are just like him, um, people who are just barely hanging on to what he's saying here. Um, and, and and Naomi points out all the, the things that make him that way, right? Like th- this idea that he wouldn't have done the Augustin Gamora stuff if he knew that, you know, it would drive Naomi away is complete bullshit. Complete bullshit. Yeah. I don't believe it for a second, but it's something he's just saying to get into her head. Um, and I think Naomi, like he, he tries to leave her with this thing of like, Oh, if you try to do anything else, Philip will know exactly who you are. I think Naomi wants that. That is exactly what Naomi wants to for Philip to actually understand who his parents are and see the truth here. Yeah, I think it's a huge mistake for him to allow her essentially free run of the ship because she's going to use it to um, exploit all of his of his weaknesses. I kept on thinking about because you know a lot of people have been name checking uh, George Orwell this week. Can't imagine why. Um, and, you know, a lot of people throwing around 1984, but Animal Farm, I was thinking about why I was watching this episode because it does feel like I started classifying people like Sin, major, bo- you know, he's a boxer, the strong, stalwart type, just wants people to get along, wants to move in to succeed. Uh, Naomi is Snowball and Marco is Napoleon, uh, which is the good and bad pig- pigs, respectively, yeah. of, of, uh, 
the animal farm movement. And I, 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 I just think it was interesting to kind of like sort those. Cause like, as I started doing that, it's like these, these dynamics started to make sense, you know? Yeah. Um, and like how Marco has the, his, the, the, the hold on these people. Um, it's really yeah, not hard to, to see people for what they are. If you just look, take an honest look at them, right? Like we all intuitively yep. understand that stuff. Uh, and they're doing, yep, doing a great job on the show of showing that. Yeah, show, and showing how our biases and our emotions and our attachments can like override, like you said, that easy snap judgment of like what feels good to your gut, what looks good, what passes the smell test. Yeah. So the Rossi is still on the hunt for the Zemea, uh, which is, is fleeing Tycho Station with their, their boosted sample of the protomolecule that they stole from Fred. Uh, and Bull and Holden uh, get to talk one-on-one about their troubled relationship with Fred Johnson, which I found fascinating. You know, I find fascinating. Uh, it, it, it'll be interesting to see where exactly uh, Holden is keeping his bat cave on the Rocinante because his armor, I mean, he looks just like the Dark Knight, right? <laughs> Did you see him in this battle armor? It, it, he's kind of the only one wearing it too, right? He really like, is. He's got, yeah, he's got the full on uh, Dark Knight to go. And I, I guess it's like if you're in like a combat situation, you should always be wearing, but like, yeah, I, I don't know, because like if he's wearing his helmet, like if everyone was essentially suited up, ready for hard vacuum at all times as if they're ready for combat. But uh, I don't know. Maybe he's just uh, uh, that's his space. Suit, <laughs> I mean, you know? his, his pilot, arguably the the most important person, if you get into a sure. firefight, is just wearing a jumpsuit like he could be on an ice right. hauler in the middle of nowhere. Uh, I think you're supposed to understand those things with the strappy straps are actually full on hard vac spacesuits. Okay. Um, okay. So at least like if he Monica gets is the only one wearing an actual jumpsuit, I think. But like, yeah, yeah, everyone's essentially a helmet away from being insulated <laughs> against vacuum. But, but no, it is funny. Him in his, br- <laughs> it looks like uh, someone killed his mom and dad in Crime Alley. Yep. And and he's looking for payback for sure. And and I don't um, know if this is supposed to be funny, but there's this moment where um, they they ask like, okay, when if we get the pro molecule, what are we gonna do with it, guys? Uh, and, and they go around the room and everybody says, destroy it. And and they're all just kind of like, I, I feel like, I don't know. It, it was just really funny to me, this look they're giving each other. and Especially when Holden says, like, destroy it, obviously. And I think, I think they're setting up some tension because I don't know that yeah. we knew what Bull thought about it. You know, is he going to be kind of like, you know, taking a Fred Johnson? I think we kind of, yeah, why would he ever take like a belt or first approach? Mm-hmm. Um, or even belt or equal approach. But I think there's supposed to be some like tension about like who would say what and also setting up f- uh, Holden for some possible hypocrisy that he might be um, putting Naomi um, before the protomolecule. But I don't know. Like maybe we yeah. can discuss it as the episode wears on, but I never even thought they really came close to making that a genuine thing mm-hmm. um, where it's like, you know, he was he was taking chances with uh, getting a protomolecule out versus rescuing Naomi. I just want to see um, every single episode, maybe two every episode where they check in. We're still yeah. on the same page, right, guys, about this yeah. protomolecule. We yeah, get it. We destroy it. OK, yeah, we're going to destroy it. Obviously, um, I really like Bull's statement about if you spend a time with people, you, you get to learn how full of shit they are. I spent a half a lifetime with Fred and I still don't know. Mm-hmm. Um. And he's like, that's a rare kind of breed. And I was like, I think that's interesting where you meet a person who's like 
um, you know, they're saying stuff that's like so high minded and idealistic and whatnot that it seems like they have to be full of shit. But like you sit and watch and like, okay, where's the hypocrisy going to be? Where's the hypocrisy going to be? And it's like, and it's not that like, I, I thought it also that like Holden says that Fred never lied to him. Is that literally true? Because I feel like that Fred, I don't know, at least withheld the truth on multiple occasions. You know, the whole existence of the protomolecule, yeah, where it's yeah. at, what he's doing with it, all that kind of stuff. Like, I, I wonder if this is more of like not wanting to speak ill of the dead or maybe, you know, um, Fred Johnson in death is starting to look like, you know, now that Marco is like taking over the belter, like, hey, you know, Dawes and Dawes and Johnson, maybe not so maybe not so bad. Maybe guys I could have in retrospective worked with a little bit more. Um, but it's a great line. It is, yeah. Um, and then the fact that he is sort of assessing Holden as the same kind of guy, right? And and maybe that's why they, despite not getting along, maybe that's, you know, why they can work together. Um, yeah, it, it's good. I, I think all those characters, we've got so much history with Fred and Holden that we understand intuitively what Bull is saying here and, and the relationship yeah. that they must have had, too. Yeah, and if you're if you're keeping score at home and 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 looking to see where the chips are falling as far as like Bull perhaps taking over piloting duty, these 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 character moments are going to be vital to like him being part of the crew because this is not quashing the beef with him and Holden, but like properly framing it. And I for one yeah. actually think it would be cool if there is one crewman that kind of thinks Holden's full of shit. Because everybody else just thinks Holden, you know, Naomi, Alex, Amos think that he fucking hung the moon and invented morality and philosophy. And Bull's like, yeah, whatever, pretty boy. The talk with the with the big fucking mouth. I kind of like that dynamic. A little bit of McCoy, you know, like in the original oh, Star yeah. Trek, like he's the kind of cranky one that's going to call bullshit on these on, on the Vulcan and and the you know the space jock every once in a while. I, I think I think they could use that. I, what do you make of the fact that Bull's like, fuck Fred Johnson's last wishes. I ain't going to feed him the mushrooms. I thought that was, that, that was, it was, I was trying to say, what does that tell us about his character? I, I don't know, because Fred's dead, baby, you know, uh, <laughs> like I, it, it doesn't matter what he wants anymore uh, when he's dead. Like he, he'll never know. Um, I, we want to honor him because we're living and we need it. I, I could see all of that stuff making a certain amount of sense. I also wonder if, because like, you know, not for nothing, uh, this, the, the Ross and I is being crewed by belters um, of questionable loyalty. Uh, I do wonder if like, yeah. this is like a little, one of the things in retrospect that might bite uh, um, you know him flippant attitude towards respect for belter customs. Something that Fred Johnson, very smart man, very politically minded, uh, you know, like like that. This is a thing where it's like you lay him to, wait, to 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 rest in a recycling station means a hell of a lot more to Belters who might be influenced about like you know what Fred was butcher of Anderson Station. Say what you will. Uh, you know my baby's eating them in my baby formula. Uh, he's a real he's a real Belter going out like that way versus like ah the fucker I knew it. He's he's, yeah. he's selfishly keeping his atoms to himself. Like mm-hmm. it's it's something, and I wonder if it might he might regret that that uh, kind of flipping attitude later. Could be. Uh, they also discover uh, out they get a, at the very end of the scene they get a transmission from Alex, and they're all shocked to realize that Alex is far from Mars, and he's out in the space. And there there's a very I, I like the realism of them realizing this just from the communication delay. Like what the yeah. fuck? Uh, and it's kind of like a fun mutual realization as the episode goes on. 
Um, moving on, Naomi uses her newfound freedom to move about the, the cabin uh, to visit Philip in his quarters. And she levels with him about why she left their family and her father and how she feels about uh, uh, Marco. And I, I couldn't help but notice at the beginning, you know, I talked about how Naomi's words are sort of landing with Marco. But equally, I think Marco's words are landing with Naomi, right? The, the idea that she doesn't know who her son is and that, yeah, she was there when he was a baby, but Marco has been there for the last X amount of years. It, it's evident here when she's snooping around Philip's cabin that what she's trying to do is get an assessment of who this guy is, who the, who her son is, right? Uh, picking up that yeah. razor, she's she's looking at every, all the projects he's got going, right? The things he's doing, trying desperately to understand him, Um and it doesn't feel like she's trying to understand him so that she can manipulate him like Marco would, but so she can simply know who her son is. I thought that was a nice moment. It's, it's so, so powerful and nonverbal way to like, you know, in the beginning of the episode when it shows Naomi thinking about her son, it's in terms of him being this baby. And now she's physically coming to grips with the fact that biologically, at least he's a man, he's shaving, you know, that's kind of the quintessential uh, rite of passage for for. Uh, for for masculine types is like oh god this this shit's coming out of my face I better start scraping it off. Um, I thought it was I thought it was really really great and I thought um again just like we're going to appreciate with sin later. Um, I think Dominic Tripper is the thing that makes all this stuff work. Like you know she's a very good dance partner in these types of scenes. Uh, but this Philip kid is holding his own. Like I really um, you know I yeah. really felt it like when when they're leveling and he kind of like reverts kind of to that boy like curls up in her arms to be comforted by his mother in a way that he's never gotten from his his father you can you, oh. you just know no like he no. want to curl up in his father's lap and just cry for a minute that's not fucking happening he's gotta it's be strong he's gotta be a strong belter uh yeah yeah and, and and the that is a huge moment for naomi too right there's this complicated stew of like this is what she wants and also this is not the circumstance under which she wanted it and and she now has this job of trying to convince this kid that that what he's doing is monstrous, um, but not doing it in a way that's gonna completely destroy him. Or uh, like doing it in a way that means he can come back from this. Yeah. It's man, it's complicated. And and I think John, Dominic just nails it. I thought this is great because shame, like um, like guilt, is a neutral thing. Guilt is an is an acknowledgement of something that you've done um, and you're taking responsibility for it. But shame is almost always just a toxic emotion. And I thought it was interesting how they compare and contrast um, Marco, who's quick to like you know say assign you know well you should be ashamed for what you're doing, and you can see how he plays on this with with Naomi and and. Um, also, I thought it was really great to see, like, that's one of the hardest things to deal with as a parent, to realize that, like, your child is going to be so much like you, and for that reason, probably deal with a lot of the same things that you did, but they're also completely their own pe- person. So while you can give them advice and you can kind of draw parallels, at the end of the day, when they say, like, yeah, well, fine, but that's not me, and that's not the, it, like, you have to kind of take them seriously. Um, and it's really a high-stakes game that for, of that for Naomi. I mean, he's not talking about borrowing the car to go for prom or, you know, go into a party where there might be drinking. We're talking about, you know, killing hundreds of millions of people here. But uh, yeah, it's it still it's still it still resonates, or at least it did with me. And the, uh, the idea of um, she thought her choice was killing herself because she couldn't live with it. She realized that that was not a choice. 
that's still a, that's still like giving herself to like playing Marco's game. The only choice anyone can ever make is to walk away from the situation because then there's always hope for the future. You might be able to make affect positive change. Yeah. You know, if Naomi blew herself out an airlock 16 years ago, none of this would ever happen. And the, the, you know, who knows what would happen with this? Hell, I don't know what the solar system is going to look like at the end of the season, but that one person's change is going to have a profound effect, which I think is a great, is, is a great message for people, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I imagine a lot of people could see themselves in, in Naomi's position in the airlock. Um, but her having the strength to, to keep going on, even though so much is stacked against her, is uh, is pretty inspiring. And the fact that she couldn't have known it when she made that choice, right? Uh, that, that's the thing that's so powerful is like you can look at you know your actions and say, well, they don't mean anything. And they may not mean anything in the context of the moment, but they could certainly mean something in the context of the future. And that is the big game changer. That's That's the thing where you can really affect change make an impact um with a single action with a single choice yeah it's an act of faith not a faith in god or some spirituality religion but an act of faith in yourself that you can make things better uh faith in others that like the world's not always going to be this dark depressing place that everyone is going to be looking to take advantage and and manipulate people and you know look at what she's been able to do since yeah Meanwhile, Bobby and Alex aboard the Screaming Firehawk uh, receive some intel and attaboys from Avasarala before going on to pass Marco's ship profiles on to Holden and the crew of the Rasinante. Yeah, I think it's also important to know that they passed them on to Earth, uh, to Avasarala, who has has had Jupiter and Saturn fleets sort of leave task forces throughout their uh, path home so that, you know, if Marco's ships are out there, they will probably find them. Um, so, so Earth is like mounting a defense here, right? It's not just that the Belters are you know, like Earth is in chaos, hair on fire, ass catching, and right, and they have no idea what to do. And Marco's running roughshod over the the system. Yeah, it feels very much like uh, Avasaral is in more control than I was suspected. Like, I, I think this uh, transportation yeah. secretary is essentially just like whatever you say, madam. Mm-hmm. Whatever you, it's that sounds good. That's that sounds yeah. That sounds strong. That sounds like it's going to keep us safe. Like it seems like there's a lot. Of, I wonder if they'll ever push back on that, or maybe if uh, she's just keeping a deaf hand, or or maybe I'm just thinking that because she's running the Bobby operation. Um, but it does feel like yeah, she's she has really ensconced herself, and 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 she's she's pulling the powers of lover because this is total avasaral. Like pull back mm-hmm. Earth first, almost protect the inner planets, which I think is interesting because Mars is included in that. Yeah, like yeah. this does feel very kind of tribal. That like okay, the pe- the well wallas are going to gr- gr- uh, the going to going to band together against those goddamn belters. Right? It's it's playing into the hands of Marco. Also, it's it's like it if does. you need a if you need a thing to point to to say see see it's us against them. Well, here you go. Yeah. And I wonder if she's smart enough to see that. Like, I, I would like to see another scene of like her and that uh, the other admiral Delgado, I think is his name. Uh, like maybe because mm-hmm. she's always talking like, think like the enemy, think like the enemy. You know, don't just do the things that Marco wants you to do. Um, if you abandon the yeah. outer planets to him, then, well, you're abandoning the outer planets to him. And that means any belters who might be sympathetic to you, who might want to resist, are going to get snapped up or, or executed. Um, seems like it seems like a something that feels smart, but is long term foolish. But but we'll see. I really like the back and forth between Bobby and Alex because Alex kind of like, hey, uh, I know she didn't mention that ship we blew up. And Bobby's like, yeah, well, if you want you want one of my <laughs> you want one of my Martian medals. And because that's what, you know, Alex is a little bit of a glory hound. 
and uh, I like him. Her, him, uh, her busting his nuts. Yeah. Um, and the the and also Holden the Holden stuff over there. Um, I, I really like it because you expect Holden. Like, there's this moment where they he finds out that Naomi uh, Naomi's ship is among the the group of ships uh, that Alex mm-hmm. sends over, and there's this moment where Monica and Bull are like, "Uh oh, Holden." Uh, he he's gonna be just this this untamable beast that goes after her full throttle. He cuts off the other mission, and they all look to him and like we're still on track here, right? He right. says, "Of course, Checking we're in not, again. Yeah. Checking and in, taking that temperature." It's and it, you know he's he's not doing nothing. He's doing what he can, but I don't know. This is why a guy a guy like Amos would follow Holden, right? Because he understands the bigger picture here and even though he loves Naomi he's he's got to make the right call here but he puts Alex and Bobby on it which I like and there's a lot of just like little touches like I, I like the mutual understanding of like the dawning realization of how close they are together and like uh, Bobby pointing out oh the Rossi's not on Tycho Station like almost simultaneous as Jim Holden's like we're not on Tycho Station anymore yeah, it, yeah. it feels like that stuff like a lot of times writers don't include things like that, kind of like those little funny coincidences and things, but it, it makes the writing seem so much more realistic when you have a yeah. little bit of that kind of messy stuff happening. It makes the world um, and feel also, real. Like I, I can imagine see- scenarios like that happening all the time with this delay, right? Oh, yeah. it, it goes back to scenes like um, Avasarala trying to communicate with Arjun way back in like season one or something. I don't know. It was ages ago and, and they're speaking over each other and they don't know like how long the delay is and it's it's painful right it's annoying it's it's like a zoom call times 50 uh or yeah, a million it's I don't unnatural know. it's unnatural like yeah. you know having like a opening up a letter feels natural and having a face-to-face conversation feels natural a conversation with like a three second delay is just weird for everybody because it's that uncanny valley between the two, you know, one way yeah. communication, two way communication. Yeah, I, I think it's it's great. And uh, I love when they lean into that kind of stuff. And in and, and a similar vein, I also like how they introduce, like, you know, underline Bobby's toughness because she's like casually picking out a bullet from like her Under Armour. You know, and, yeah. and I was like, oh, my God, you got shot. She's like, oh, yeah, loads of times, which again, Bobby. I don't know. Maybe take cover. Maybe not, maybe not let your armor tank every single round. But she's just like, ah, nah, just itches and it flings it into gravity, shoves it back. I, I just like how kind of cavalier she is about that stuff. Yeah. Um, and uh, I so it does seem like they're setting up the promise because after the Zemea gets destroyed in this episode, I imagine that like uh, uh, Holden and Alex and Bobby are going to link up. Yeah. Um, or or it, holding that because because they're keeping mm-hmm. tabs on so they're they're going to I don't I don't know like I said I I'm really curious to see what happens next week with this whole chain smoker plot because I <laughs> just don't thing, see yeah. it because they they make it like they make it abundantly clear like if you think the Ross and I is going to go in there and like it's going to out badass these Russian frigates and destroyers and cruisers like everyone who is in the know in this show is like we are outgunned we are outnumbered this is not going to happen yeah. Having having the chain smoker and a screaming firehawk on their side, I don't think changes that equation any more than drummer having three ships changed it for her. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't so even if they how? meet up with drummer, I don't think it changes the equation. Right? I, there isn't enough firepower in the vicinity to defeat Marco's warships. It feels like it's going to come down to like uh, 
I don't know, maybe a drummer, maybe a drummer holding uh, Bobby Alex fleet with a little bit of inside help from sin and Philip is the way that this things are going to go down because hmm. like, yeah, it just doesn't on paper. It just doesn't seem like you're going to have a, a conventional rescue operation uh, that's going to have success, but we'll oh, see mildly interesting. <laughs> uh, Naomi runs into sin and the mess he's coming back from, I think the chain smoker doing some, uh, uh, work on that ship, uh, and sh- uh, he is moved to confess to his uh, complicity in kidnapping Philip and hiding uh, him from her, and has just a real emotional confrontation with her. Yeah, uh, it's it's devastating. I, I man, you feel for everybody involved in this situation. He thought he was doing the right thing at the at the time. Now he's come to regret his decision. Uh, you know, not just because of what's happened with Marco, right? And then how this whole thing has sort of spiraled out and has become bigger than he wanted it to be. But personally, with Naomi, he he felt like he he broke that family up. Um he's he's almost personally responsible in a way for it. So yeah, it's it's pretty devastating. And that guy's yeah, that like guy's the, great. He's he is great and uh the scene is I thought it was I was surprised at how emotionally effective I thought it was. And the fact that like it's this the, he's been stewing over guilt in almost exactly the same way that no Naomi has just from opposite sides of it. Like he thought yeah. he was doing something to keep his family together. And in fact, it uh, you, you hear this all the time, you know, like people, uh, fathers and mothers doing over over uh, heavy handed things that they think is going to make their kids do something that ends up pushing them away. And then they have regrets and. Uh, like seeing this and also like Naomi didn't know any of this stuff, her coming to grips with this betrayal from a father figure yeah. um, and how like she went from like this grief stricken to like just just hard as a bag of cement with like, well, guess what? It's it's not too late. You can you can redeem yourself and you can do it by helping me. What does that look like? Especially when I think I kind of think sin's dead at the end of this episode. Um, oh, yeah. A hundred percent. Like nobody was moving to close that airlock (laughs) right yeah yeah um but that that's this exchange where you know he says i'm so sorry and she says i thought you loved me and he's like i loved all of us we were a family uh powerful stuff yeah um so i I think one of the standout scenes in the episode and we go to monica trying to probe holden and perhaps many senses of that word uh about his involvement in the protomolecule sample as well as Naomi's connection to Marco's terrorist group uh, when Bull barges in and tells him that the hunt for the Zemea is on. So this is this is the scene in the in the cafeteria, the mess, whatever it is, uh, mm-hmm. with Holden and Monica, where she essentially, I think, lays out the case that, that we've been wondering about where, like, the dream for Mars could still be alive. I think, like, the, the combination of the the, the protomolecule scientist and a sample of the protomolecule is potentially able to rebuild worlds if you use it correctly, right? They've seen what it can it's do. Like, yeah, super terraformer, perhaps. I, I could see Savater, uh, you know, wanting to get his hands on that so the the quote-unquote dream of Mars can live on. Even, even if it's being but, evacuated, right? They might not need the people if the protomolecule can do it themselves. Or... You know, not not even necessarily physically on Mars, but but that dr- that Martian dream can live on somewhere else with the protomolecule. Yeah, and I'm I 
So my only problem with that, and of course this isn't, you know, obviously we're not getting this right from from the admiral himself. Um, this is like Monica speculation, but like mm-hmm. if I was, if I would offer an alternative way to look at that, like I don't know that the Martians would consider an easy button for terraforming Mars to be the dream of Mars because it does seem like they feel like there is something about this. Uh, you know, they're they're kind of like a more militant version of the Belters ethos of like, you know, all for one, you know, or or one for all rather kind of like communal responsibility, hard work like this. It's the process. The hard work of terraforming Mars is what makes a Martian a Martian, that shared dream, the cooperation, but the, but the hard work and the the delayed gratification, the, the planting trees that you will not feel the shade of for future generations that kind of thing that like is the antithesis of like the selfishness uh quick results driven quick fix kind of way that we always view things uh the quarterly way that we kind of view things on earth and if you can just have like oh well, okay, we're going to get the protomolecule sample in Kodazar, and he's going to reprogram it to where we can terraform Mars in, like, five months. Doesn't that destroy the dream of Mars? Because if it's easy, that's Earther. And, you know, being an Earther is kind of, like, seen as a problem. It's it's a mindset, not, like, a a, a political affiliation. Um so I don't know. I, I still feel like that there 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 might be something else, and especially now that at the end of the episode, I think the proto molecule is off the board forever. Uh, at least that's my read on the situation. I I don't know what that means. Maybe Mars just gets screwed then. Um, I don't know because the, the Zemea, Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't the Zemea meet up with uh, a group of ships before this? Haven't they already met they? up with a group? I. Maybe I'm wrong because I, I know Holden says of, like, "Oh, if they meet up with," someone. he says something like, "There's multiple contacts." But I thought it's more of like they're trying to and, and they're trying to find Zemea out of all the possible things it could be, right? Know? And they're in the shipping uh, lanes, and it's yeah, right, it right, right, right. Find. Yeah, you don't you you don't want to just blow the drive cone out from some civilian freighter or something, right? Um, and they're not bur- they're going dark, so you don't have the drive cone to so you have to do a lot of careful kind of like analysis work but i so but i don't a bit i kind of thought that there might be but okay eh, no i, I, thought I, that I was kind of thinking too that there might be a, a but like the way that marco reacts to destruction of it seems like he's real pissed yeah. like you know not just he lost a ship but like he this is this was a big thing that he needed and they fucked it up for him so yeah so i guess that means he's not probably going to be getting any more ships um, and this might be the extent of the free Navy as far as the Martian ships are concerned. Um, so hold, hold on to these things, right? Like you've got nine or, or so of them, whatever. Uh, so it's kind of like a, an analysis of uh, analogy to like the, the fleet that Japan had at the beginning of world war two It's very impressive, but they don't have the industrial compa- capacity mm-hmm. to just replace those things. So it's like every, they lose a carrier. That's something that like, oh shit, that's, they're not going to get that back before the war's over. Right. Um, cutting Marco off though. He can't just get ships willy nilly. Yeah. He's, it's, it's a significant and uh, a powerful fleet, but he can't just, you know, commit them to battle and, and, and lose them and, and act like that he can get more the way that perhaps earth and Mars could. And it's another, uh, personal affront, you know, if, if taking his girl wasn't enough, uh, Marco is going to be pissed that he's now destroy single handedly destroying his plan. Like Holden seems to be everywhere in the system that is important at any given moment, right? He's yeah. at the, the, he's at the center of every single big battle, which is, 
they've made it pretty plausible that he might be in those scenarios. But also, Jesus Christ, if you're Marco and, and Holden's just going around the system, swatting down your plan left and right, mm-hmm. it it seems like it, the gods are not on your side, right? If the Belters believe in any gods, holy shit, they're on Holden's side. Yeah, you know, you can you can hurl rocks at Earth with impunity and, and steal this vast fleet from Mars, but this one dude and this one stole, also stolen Martian thing is just yeah. completely styming you everywhere he goes. Yeah. No, he, he does not like that, clearly. In yeah. fact, the next scene is Marco being very unhappy about his reversals of fortune and taking it on sin, blaming, blaming him for his son's sudden sympathy with his mother and encouraging of what he perceives as his son's weakness. Uh, yeah, he just blasts him. He does. Uh, but before we get too far away from the last scene, I, I do want to know, um, Holden talks about this message that he found from Naomi that, that was meant for him if if she doesn't return i really want to know what's in that message but i also really want naomi to come back so i'm like torn between i mean obviously the the better outcome here is naomi returns and they continue her story it is is for a viewer it's getting a little frustrating for me that like you know we see holden get the message and and open it but the camera cuts before we get to it and he goes to monica it's like you know before last thing I, i got this this uh uh, suicide switch message from Naomi in case things go wrong. Bull comes running in and interrupts him. Like, uh-huh. come on, either tell me what's in this thing or, or, or fuck off. Like, this is uh, getting to be a little bit of like, what did the doctor whisper into Rick's ear in the Walking Dead kind of situation? <laughs> well, like, I, I don't the longer think... the longer you keep it from me, the more I don't give a shit. You know, fair. Uh, it hasn't been that long, but I, I don't think Holden knows what's in the message. I don't think Holden read it. Uh, he's he's the oh. guy that doesn't read this message until he knows. Is it possible that I I, I also think I wonder I think it's interesting a concept of what is is it possible Naomi's pregnant or wait have they 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 said that um, Holden can't have children because of his the radiation uh, right? radiation thing. Because uh, I'm trying to think of like what why what would be the interesting thing for them to keep like the what what would be the emotional charge thing that uh, I, I I don't know I can't I, I can't imagine at this point since he knows where Naomi is he knows where his ship is he knows the surround she's kind of like what extra information could it be it has to be entirely personal or emotional and what would be kind of worth keeping from us uh, a miracle baby you know that they're gonna have some kind of miracle proto proto molecule baby. Was that the is that the last thing that that, that Miller so. did when he was fucking with 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 uh, Holden's brain and molecular structure? He like fixed his testicles. Sure, <laughs> you know. Let me let me clean let me clean out your pipes, kid, before I go. <laughs> wow, I seriously uh, doubt it. Uh, I don't think it's going to be anything yeah. magical like that. But who knows? We'll see. So the Rossi finally gets down to the business of, of uh, chasing down the Zemea. Uh, we get some quality close combat quarters, space battle porn as the two ships fight for their lives. Uh, unfortunately for Holden's hopes of getting some information uh, from the ship uh, about Naomi, uh, the ship explodes before they can be boarded. Uh, what the fuck? And what does this mean for the proto the protomolecule sample? Uh, good, good questions. I also have two questions. Uh, is the spin necessary? I know it looks cool. I know it's awesome to see those PDC rounds spiraling out away from the the Rossi, but it's got guns on all sides. Do you really need to spin the ship? I want to spin. 
hey, if you got something, you spin it. You got a drum, you spin Fair. it. You got a ship, you spin it. That's what's in space. That's what you do. You spin shit. Yeah. Uh, I I I wonder if it is kind of like um, a standard practice in 24th century battle to start a spin on your ship because if you lose a thruster if you keep it spinning you can like by like the same way that like alex brought the the ross the bucking rossinanti in the kind of uh control uh with the the orbital shenanigans of last season if you lose a pdc you don't have like you're already in position for the because the computer don't give a fuck oh oh, oh, one more axis of spin to account for it doesn't so i wonder if it's like kind of uh, like some kind of standard operating procedure just to keep all the ca- capabilities brought to bear to rotate damage around. They've never oh, well, done then it before, flip though. it, too. I want to see it. I just want to yeah. see it tumbling oh, around. Axis. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the full... And the thing is, it reminded me so much of... You You and I, a couple years ago, live-watched uh, The Last Starfighter. Uh, the oh, Death Blossom yes. sequence. Uh-huh. This reminded me so much of the Death Blossom sequence, like this ballet of torpedoes spiraling in and the Rasananti twirling and all those trace arounds sending like all these spirals of death and lead outward. I thought it was it was it was beautiful and awesome and impressive. Um, and but, uh, firing the railgun was awesome, too. Like, I, I kind of like the angle they gave us of the railgun powering up uh, and then firing. Plus the the railgun to me is a little bit. um Maybe a little bit too science fictiony. Yeah. Like the purple plasma venting off of it is screams Halo to me. Like, yeah, um, I, I don't know why there would be colored uh, anything coming off of this. It's just accelerating a tungsten round or whatever. Uh, yeah, it's so. like it's like the it's the opposite of what they do with the PDCs, where those just look like you know almost like, like just kind of scaled up, more sophisticated versions of what they already have on terrestrial ships right now anti you know missile capabilities and stuff uh i mean it would just be like like some magnetic process right some electromagnetic uh yeah imagine the pdcs looked like star wars pew pew lasers like it would kind of that'd be cool but it's kind of less cool than the gritty realistic like this is just high velocity lead being slung around i feel like the railgun's the same way like it'd be more impressive if it just like Hey, you know, it's 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 slinging this extremely heavy, dense protocol at fractional the speeds of the light. Mm-hmm. It doesn't need like this this purple vapor coming off of it for me to sell how deadly it is. Like the Rasanati going backwards and its thrust taking this thing out tells me everything I need to know. Minor yeah. criticism, though. Uh, someone, you know, just like you shouldn't be able to hear any of this shit in space. Someone decided that, uh, you know, we need some purple plasma coming off of the coils to really sell that this is a sexy, sexy weapon. Do, do you remember what it looked like when they fired the railgun uh, in the in orbit of Illus last season? I didn't think they had. I didn't think it was this fancy, but I maybe it was. It. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't I, even I did, tell you I, if they showed it or not. Uh, right. It's been right. it's been a while. Um, but that's the difference in going through something episode by episode where you can actually talk about all the things that you love and bother versus just kind of like, you know, because we kind of just did a couple episodes that, that mm-hmm. it co- encompassed the entire thing because of the, the release schedule last year. Um, oh, my other questions. But, uh, yeah. Did the Zemea blow itself up intentionally or did it accidentally blow itself so. up trying to escape? I think it I think the, them like frantically saying shut down the reactor, shut down. Like, yeah, it, t- it takes to me. It, it seems to me that they were under orders to not be boarded by my any means necessary. Yeah. Um, why do you think that uh, Bull and Monica found it so controversial that he wanted to board the ship rather than just kill the pro? Because, like, I mean, this ship is helpless. Like, it'd be one thing if he 
failed to take out the drive cone or whatever. But like once the ship was stopped, they could be boarded or blow up. Either way, the proto molecule would be secure or destroyed. Why do you think that they were so? Is there kind of like is is are there instances of ships being counter boarded? Like like you put your uh, you attach to the ship, you dock with it, and you go to board, and then you're over your ship is overrun and taken. Because like that's the only way I could see this being a real guess, problem. Yeah, but if you send drones, there's no way that could happen. We know that Rossinati has combat drones to do it. So like yeah, yeah. If, they, if it's like some Trojan horse and. Marco's got 200 t- a team of crack ghost knife trained belters ready to come and do <laughs> wet work on the. Re- yeah. Right. You know, they're only like, what, 15, 20 people in the Rasananti. And, and they're the, probably like the engineers and shit. Like th- these aren't highly trained soldiers on Tycho oh, no, Station, there's, there's, right? <laughs> it's nothing but spider bots in there. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's 200 highly trained and armored spider bots just coming to wreck your shop. Uh, yeah. But yeah, uh, I'm talking like about the people low, on the like, Rossi. They they can't be highly trained yeah. soldiers. There's no way. No, you're right. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. They are just like you know, um, the 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 most trustworthy of Fred Johnson's crew. Not necessarily from security or whatnot. Yeah, maybe they've um, heard of doors and corners. That's about the best you can hope for. <laughs> but I, I felt like it was like. I don't know. So high chance of upside of getting intelligence and finding out the location, Naomi, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Very low chance of downside. But I guess almost any downside involving the proto molecule is like such a huge, almost infinite risk that maybe it's not worth it. But, um, you know, it's it's holding ship and and he got to, to make the call. And it seems like, again, I, I think the proto molecule is just off the board. Uh, at least the sample, which I don't know what that means yeah. for Cortazar now. Like. Also, I guess that thing was in like some kind of armored sleeve, and I would believe that maybe if you put that into some kind of container inside the ship, that it could survive the destruction, the gross destruction of the ship. Like there's wreckage and things. Like I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we'll see. We'll see. This thing is this thing has changed hands a lot, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, maybe uh, they ejected it. May- I wonder if like oh the other thing they could do. What if they just threw it out the airlock with a like a location tag and they shot all those torpedoes at the Rasanati to distract them from that? You know. Yeah, boy. How are they going to communicate that? Like tight beam, tight beam to Marco. No, no. I mean to us, they can't tight beam us as an audience. Oh, Marco just all he has to do is next. It's like when Philip's like, "Oh, father, I'm sorry for losing the proto molecule." Oh, about that, you stupid son of a bitch! My crew, <laughs> my faithful loyal crew, <laughs> threw it out the airlock and gave me a transponder code for it. And here's its here here's its uh, orbit around the solar system. We're gonna go go get it. Like, yeah, I mean, they they do shit like that all the time. It, it wouldn't bother me. Okay. Uh, speaking of emotional abusing your son, uh, Philip wants to step up and prove his worth, not just to the father, his father, but the, the people of the belt. Uh, but uh, Marco decides to cruelly smack his son down and humiliating him before puffing him up with some promises of uh, delayed future delusions of grandeur. Um, yeah. Having his crew chant his name. What, what do you make of this? I feel like this is the, the first half of this where he's tearing Philip down is largely a result of Naomi getting under his skin um, and then Holden, you know, he, he's pissed at Holden taking out his proto molecule. Like this is the insecure part, the, the, the shittiest part of Marco coming out um, on it. Doing this on his own side son. of the narcissist. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, it's, it's rough to watch. You, you really like, 
put yourself in Philip's shoes in this moment and he's like trying to step up. He's got this newly uh, revitalized uh, fervor for their mission and he's trying to do what he can to help and his dad comes in and just shits all over him. And then, you know, maybe Philip, this makes Philip feel a little bit better about this whole situation, but this is the grossest part when he builds him back up, right? Because you know he's not doing it because he wants Philip to feel good about himself. He's doing it because he needs Philip to manipulate later. Uh, he he knows that Philip is one of his tools and that he's going to continue using him, and therefore he can't crush Philip's spirit. He he wants to keep that tool in his toolbox. And this is anti-Belter. Like, I don't think the... I don't think the Belters want to be ruled by a monarchy, which is kind of what he's promising here. It's like, oh, when I'm, oh, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm the man, and everyone knows it, and I'm the ones whose names get chanted. But soon you'll have your time mm-hmm. after I'm gone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, like, are the Belters signed up for like a monarchy? You know, um, no, be, be going to be ruled by Philip of Macedonia. Uh, it's, a, it's a reverse Philip and Alexander situation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it, it's, it's gross. I felt real bad for Philip in this scene. Yeah, me too. Uh, Naomi is summoned to the bridge so Marco can let her go out an airlock after her son, and he used the chain smoker to lure Holden and the Rasanati to their deaths. You know what, Naomi? She doesn't take it too well. Uh, she's got she's got one trick. It's called go to the airlock and throw herself out of it, and uh, <laughs> she's gonna try it again. Uh, yeah, it, it works on sin. Uh... The, the, man, there's this moment where she's she's taken to the bridge of the Pella and, you know, she realizes what's happening here. She looks over to Sin and he just turns turns around in his chair. And I, I wish they had lingered a little bit more on Sin, gave us like a moment where you could like see him, you know, like processing what he's doing, like m- maybe even just to his back, right? Not, not a close up or anything, but like. We see him right. maybe uh, weeping over there in the corner or something, but maybe that's not this him. Maybe that's episode. too weak. But guy, it felt like this was a huge moment. Him turning his back on Naomi, and I wanted a little bit more. I actually was geared up for some kind of subterfuge because I, you know, this yeah. whole like you have to help me. The fact I thought that you're going to find out that like Philip and Sin and Naomi were had some kind of plan working together. Uh, I thought it was also fool like. So they take Naomi back to the brig, I think. Uh, presumably, and but but yet they let her like, and they they shut her in this door, but she's free to move about the ship, which seems kind of foolish by Mar- Mar- by Marco. But maybe in his grandiose grandiosity, he forgot to rescind that order. Um, but I, I thought when 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 um, kind of Sin was looking shifty and going to this panel that he was actually going to like unlock her door. Or something along those effects. Um, it doesn't look like that's it. He just like wanted to locate her to make sure that she didn't throw herself out of an airlock like she's doing. Um, but I thought that was the but point. I, I thought like, that was what? Like, is it isn't Marco going to space her? I like I yeah. I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna kill Holden, and once you see him defeated, I'm going to put you on the float, which has always been throw you out an airlock with or without a spacesuit and leave you there to die. So, so hey, I'm not sure why Sin is so concerned about this because that's her eventual fate anyway, right? Whether she does it or whether Marco does it, but also, well, but, but Sin in the airlock talks a mess about. I thought I I can fix this with Marco. Like you're as long as you're still alive, I can fix. I think he thinks that. And I think Philip yeah, does too. I, think I don't he's think Philip's still going to be cool. Yeah, 
like uh, uh, Philip thinks that maybe if he if 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 they take Holden off the table, then my well my well walla loving mom will see the 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 wisdom and and staying with her real family. Like I, I think I see the percentage and all that, but like uh, if Sin's dead, uh it it will bother me a little bit because I I think that they don't he doesn't need to do anything, but the complete kind of his arc and and what he's on like. I felt like he needs to do something to help Naomi. Um, and or at least that's what I was expecting. Uh, I think he's I was, dead now. I, I think it's too late. I think he's dead. Yeah, he's he's going limp. He absolutely like. And here's the other thing. I got a question. I don't know that in the pop culture, it's penetrated that the vacuum of space is not as lethal as we were taught as children. Like I grew up thinking right. that as soon as you like crack your helmet, you instantly die and freeze over like you're dipped in yeah. liquid nitrogen. You turn inside and turns, out and uh, sure. It turns out a hard vacuum is an incredibly effective insulator. Uh, one of the reasons your Yeti cup will keep ice cold for 24 hours is because it's holding a vacuum um, where you can no longer by convection lose heat. You have to radiate mm-hmm. it. One of the banes of the International Space Station and all spaceships' existence is losing waste heat. They have to have massive surface areas to radiate the heat because they can literally overheat in space. It would take a body hours or days to actually freeze solid out in space, going from, from body temperature to like slowly bleed off until you, know, you eventually go to like just a few degrees above absolute zero, but it would take a very long time to get there because space again is an excellent insulator. And turns out humans also don't just like completely uh, black out instantly. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, you can't hold your breath in space, um, but you do have like, you let it out. If you want to like let all your air out and you know, you probably have 10, 15 seconds before you even feel like you have to breathe again. And you probably, if you had to, could, could have 30 seconds or so of 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 uh usable consciousness and they introduced with monica the concept of the hyper oxygenated blood right that gives and which you that is that last hypo minute. spray thing that she uses uh that yeah. injection and she i want to explain that just to make sure people made that connection that is i presume the hyper oxygenated blood that she boosted from the the infirmary that that gives her just as her vision's turning to red which i, I think it technically would probably turn to black uh but but the, the, that gives her last and the rest of the stuff like I liked it fe- felt very realistic to what actually happens when people are exposed to vacuum like you saw the liquids on her eyes boiling away because that would absolutely happen um, you know starting to see some frost in the things that would freeze over quickly like her hair and her eyelashes uh, the capillaries in exposed areas especially things like delicate things like structure starting to rupture from the lack of pressure mm-hmm. um, I thought this is actually a very realistic depiction of what would happen to you if you're exposed to hard vacuum um, I wish they had made also- the, the Chet Smoka look a little closer because they, they make it look really far away and I don't know which ships yeah. are moving and which directions they're clearly floating away I, I have a hard time buying that she could push off hard enough to actually make it in any reasonable amount of time to the jet smoker. But well, I, just like so like 30 nitpick. seconds ago, they were mated together and they're slowly drifting apart, but they're still in like some kind of flying format. I, I, I thought it was just they did everything they needed to to make it believable to where I, I think that that could actually happen. Okay. Um, it was like a one in a million thing. And there's a lot of things that could go wrong. But like, I, I yeah. do believe that that but I, that's the thing is like, if you're the last if, if you don't know these kind of like the like the modern findings we found out about humans exposure to vacuum, you might like if you all you know is Arnold Schwarzenegger 
uh, in total recall. Mars, yeah. <laughs> face exploding, or uh, who, who was the uh, uh, the guy in Mission to Mars? I forget the guy who like you know, opened his helmet and instantly froze. Like if 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 you if that's your pop pop culture experience with with space, then you might th- this might surprise you, but uh, it's pretty realistic. Um, but I assume Sin is dead. Because, you know, uh, he's out there in a vacuum of space. He's clearly gone unconscious and no one no one is shutting the the door to save him is the the big thing. I wonder if like the door won't shut because his arm is like breaking the plane or something. I I assumed um, that that, I don't know. Is it fair to call that just like a, a poetic, like a poetic vision sort of thing? Like. He's reaching out to Naomi as he's dying, and he like stays frozen there. That's the last we see. Yeah, him. he's forever yearning to to make that connection. Yeah, I yeah, know it's, it's yeah. pretty poignant. As I, say, I yeah. feel like they're doing a lot with that, and I'm I'm not quite getting the point of it. Um, but you know, I feel the emotion of it certainly. Uh, yeah. Can I can I just ask you? I, I thought the first time I watched this episode that it was very sloppy. Um, there was a lot of stuff that I didn't think. I remember you saying made that a me, lot yeah. of sense. Uh, second time through, I almost all of those problems have been taken off the board. I think they did a, a very good job with it. The one, uh, well, okay, maybe I should mention how um, in the past episode, maybe two episodes, we talked about how uh, we weren't sure what Philip meant when he said, hey, uh, you should be happy that I saved you or I saved your life mm-hmm. or whatever. I thought that it meant um, it, when he called Naomi there, he was removing her from the Rocinante, which they expected to blow up when it took off. And that's mm-hmm. what he meant by saving her life. In this episode, they make it very, very clear. Marco says a couple of times that Naomi, you know, had a, a, attempted to kill him. Mm-hmm. Uh and that was your position is that he was talking about the knife that she had brought to the bridge to try and kill Marco. That's what he did is saving her by taking her off the bridge. I I guess I'm still, I'm a little confused. I'm a little up in the air. And we talked about this on the live stream last night on the watch party. I, I felt, I felt like the, the, the satisfying answer, at least for me, is that we were both right. That Philip oh. saw that she tried to kill her father with the knife and he was also saying you should you should thank me for saving you because I took you off the Rasananti and you'd be dead. So that lets Naomi have a realization, but also because you're right, like the even the last episode, Marco is ranting and raving about her almost killing him. You know, she tried to do this. She tried, and this episode he repeats it, so he knows that there was the attempt on his life. Yeah. Um, I, I like I so like I that we could we, both be right that that neither of us could have the full picture. <laughs> you know, maybe this is a learning moment. We're having a learning moment here on uh, yeah. the Expanse podcast. Because two saying, people can have different uh, views on something and still both of them be right. Yeah, because you're saying it's like sloppy. Like, well, is, is it? Because like I because I, I, you guys talked me into your way of viewing it, but I also very strongly had that like watching that episode twice really had the strong. Um, intuition that 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 philip did see the knife and did 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 know that he was trying to kill so like that allows me to like right okay then now it all kind of like both of those things track so um because i i thought this i'm sorry no no sorry uh i was just gonna say the the thing that i still see in this episode that seems a little bit sloppy is this idea that naomi is somehow roaming around the ship still and that she would have access to this airlock like the last time we saw naomi she was being carted off by two security officers or whatever it's a black sky golden bow whatever they are mm-hmm. uh and and shoved into presumably into a cell 
to be held mm-hmm. so that she can watch uh, the Rocinante blow up and then be spaced. Why would they mm-hmm. ever allow her out of that cell? I was yeah. That's the one thing that like is a little bit of a problem for me because I thought like if 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 Sin did something to help her get out, or you know, also Naomi's brilliant and she's been serving aboard a Martian ship, sure, uh, for years now. Like I think that she could MacGyver her way, like you know, like like Marco mm-hmm. doesn't know these. None of these belters know these ships. Like she, they can't even fucking no. change the air filters the, without without the knowing the tricks of the trade. So I thought she was going to like pull off some random panel, stick her toothbrush in some kind of thing, and just like Jimmy the door. And she probably could have done that at any time, but but now is like her time to take action. And maybe you're supposed to understand that, like, that's probably what she did. No, but you got to show I me that think you need to show. I need a five and, second insert of her pulling a bobby pin out of a pocket that she palmed the while she was in. Or they could have even if they just said an insert of like when she was talking to sin over the table, he had his toolkit there. Like it just a, a, just a, a three second of her palming something from that. And then another insert of her pulling it out of her pocket when they shove her in the brig. That's all they need to do. And I felt like there was a scene or two missing because otherwise the other thing I guess is I believe that Marco is a bit sloppy. Like he is a pretty he's pretty brilliant but he's just one man he's got limited resources he his whole his whole plan almost got fucked up because he threw the the rock just a little bit too close to the sun this could be just him being arrogant and thinking that uh you know he's broke naomi again uh because you know well they didn't philip slapping her was all we didn't talk about that but philip slapping her was a fucking moment yeah it was that was like rock like that and and Dominic played that so well, her being so wounded and hurt, thinking that she had made progress, this connection, and now her son has gone right back to the fault of like you're everything that I'm not, and you're a earth loving well walla, and you're nothing like me and my father. Like that's like he just snaps back to that thing so hard. Um that maybe Margot's arrogant enough that he thinks that like, yeah, I'm gonna break her again. And she they didn't make that point either. Um I, I don't no, I don't think they did really. right by this part this this plot point at all uh which is rare it's a rare complaint i have about the expanse that they don't connect dots like this yeah now the only thing i could say is like i don't feel that quite that strong but like i suspect that as a book reader maybe things went down a little bit different in a more satisfying way no no this is all more satisfying the the, the character wise uh naomi is night and day well shit in this she's so much better in the show than she is in the book hmm well, there you go. Uh, I do think this is kind of a cliffhanger because, as I pointed out in the beginning of the episode, so she's on the chain smoker. Great. You are right next to one of the more powerful warships in the galaxy or, or in the galaxy in the solar system. Uh, they have also said that the chain smoker is got zero utility to this fleet. It's just it's just a civilian ship. Uh, what does she do now? Like, it's set the remote pilot to do some mission, but clearly they could just undo that. Um, And if Naomi's able to undo their undoing, they can just blow her out of the sky. Like, in what universe is she able to do something that will matter? Um, And they've already established that it's not as easy as Holden swooping in and saving her, right? Right, because he's he's out he's out and outnumbered and outgunned in this situation, and not even that really close. Like this is something like you know Marcos is three football fields from her. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where Holden is, but he's a lot lot further away than that. So like, how does this how does this help? How does this help the situation? Um, 
Well, the I, only thing I, I can I think mean, of I, is Philip. Like Philip must be his. He must his. Like I, I yeah. love to see his reaction because he thought it was disturbing when like Sin and his father went toe to toe. Sin just blew himself out of an airlock to try to save his mom. His mom is such a badass. She like Princess Leia her way. Uh, you know, inter, interstellar did, did interstellar travel without a vac suit. Uh, all to thwart his father. Like I could see him just being like, "If you kill my mother, I'm going to I don't know hold my breath until I turn blue. I'm gonna throw myself out of an airlock or something. Something that makes Marco comp- compromise his position. And maybe maybe that's what maybe that's what the, they're counting on. Also, I guess I believe that Sin can also come back. Like if Monica can die in a vacuum and they show they shove the hyperoxygenated blood in her uh, her stream and bring her back. I guess they could do that to Sin too. Maybe Sin now seeing history repeat itself will do some kind of sabotage to, to keep it uh, them from from chasing after it. I don't know. Also, Sin was one of the ones on the chain smoker mm-hmm. that was doing the rigging of it to be automated. It's possible that he put some kind of backdoor um, that could that could that bite Marco in the ass that he doesn't know about, too. But it is it's not a cliffhanger. It's like, is a Naomi going to die? It's like, well, what's she going to do now? You know? She successfully moved from the frying pan into the fire. Mm-hmm. Now what? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's a really good question. I, I can't say too much. I, I guess like I have a question for you. What do you think is the purpose of the, the Chet Smoka at this point? Is it like, oh, well, what what do you think Marco is trying to do with it? He said he's going to lure Holden. Like I guess my 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 thought was that he was going to make it seem like Naomi had commandeered the ship and was like getting like escaping, and that would make you know Holden have to come and do some kind of and like then they're outnumbered, outgunned, and they'll just cut the Rasenanti to pieces. Um, yeah, I guess what I he guess doesn't what count on is that Holden knows he's outgunned. Because that's the thing, right? Like he doesn't. That's true. Marco doesn't he, know that Alex and Bobby have spotted the fleet and that they have relayed that information to Holden. So Holden is very wary. Which is the great thing about the, what the show does do well is to show all the asymmetric nature of war of yeah. information and warfare. That like, oh, they don't know the things that I know they know, and they don't know they know. They think I'm just some lone belt or pirate out here. I got a whole fleet of warships and even dr- Yeah, that. So that that's. But now Holden knows. What he doesn't know, he knows. Uh-huh. And <laughs> so, yeah, it's I, I honestly have no idea. And I can't wait to see the next episode because I I'm 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 trusting that the there's some satisfying answers that it's not going to make me just like throw my hands up and be like, oh, OK, well, you know, although I will say that, like, I, I extend one or two of those branches to every show because I think it's really hard to tell a tight narrative. And every once in a while, you kind of have to go down a patch of old, muddy, gravel, ill-maintained road to get back every once in a while um you know i've done it with breaking bad i've done it with well game of thrones i i, I did I it until i, I ran out of their path home yeah I, I i got lost down that gravel road to game of thrones but I, I will i for good shows like this i, I will give them a, a a dusty trail or two uh to follow uh where i have to make a couple logical leaps but yeah the more uh, yeah it would disappoint me if they start if they start leaning on that over much and i don't think they will all right, I think that's it for the episode. Uh, we've got some feedback, a little bit of uh, stuff from the previous episode that we're going to consider here. Uh, we start off cool. with TB says, hello again, fellas. As far as much of your speculation goes, um, like he, he specifically mentions like this 
Russian wheat production and the path of revolutions that you were talking about last episode. Um, as someone who's eagerly await- awaiting the final book, all I can say is mildly interesting. Uh, one thing I can certainly say. Uh, that, uh, I'll take this from Jim, not you guys. Not you guys, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, one thing I can certainly say is that co- the Corys, the James essays, have been pretty upfront about what informs their vision of the future, and that is predominantly the past. They certainly have a view that humanity doesn't really change much and that we repeat a lot of the same patterns and cycles. Or as Mark Twain said, history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes. Mm-hmm. Uh, one the first first time is tragedy, the second time is comedy or farce. I can't remember the exact the quote. Um, yeah, not, yeah, not a big Mark Twain guy, but sure. Uh, one thing that isn't talked much about uh, regarding the success the U.S. had in the insurgency uh, in Iraq in the mid two thousands, lots of ink was spilled about troop surges, uh, and apparently he was in the middle of it. But the truth was that things only really turned uh, when the Iraqis had enough of the insurgents themselves. That's often one of the best ways to deal with the likes of Marco. Eventually, you give them time, they'll hang themselves. Because for all his talk, Marco doesn't actually want equality. He wants to be the new oppressor. He doesn't want to break the wheel. He just wants to be on top. More often than not, these guys have to be so brutal and totalitarian to enforce their visions that they eventually end up self-sabotaging. Yeah, they turn their own people uh, against them. Um, yeah, I think that's a good that's point. That, and man, you see, yeah. you see that, especially like the microcosm here is Philip and Marco, right? Um, the more he tries to tighten his hold, it's it's the Princess Leia. Let's get two references in here for Leia uh, and and Tarkin, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, and it, it's also uh, I that's interesting because now looking back i see so much how much the the fingerprints are all over that like uh, when they go show the first colony it plays out so much like uh uh, uh, colonization in the past except for you don't have like a native population i guess the belters would be the native population on on illus slash new terra but like immediately all the same and it's almost like it's not because it had to be that way but everyone took those preconceptions into the situation with them the belters like oh my god here comes this corporation to come oppress us uh mercury ah here's these uh, murderous uh belters that want to kill us all they need to you know i I got i there's no civilization out here so i have to be brutal it's the only way like Mm -hmm. and, and now you've got like this kind of cold war um zealot rejection of uh perhaps uh you know, bourgeoisie science, you know, what the fuck, fuck your biosphere. That's all a bunch of bullshit. We just, we just mix our shit together. We all saw uh, the Martian. Just get your shit buckets out, mix it up with the dirt. You're going to be fine. Uh, I think it, 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 it's, it's a great way to tell the story. And man, like it, it's funny because like human history right now seems hell bent to kind of like prove some of the points that they were making about us like being doomed to uh, repeat history. Because uh, it does feel like, goddamn, it does feel like we're just going through the 1920s all over again. Yeah, uh, hopefully we can make a little bit of ch- progress and change, but who knows? That's the thing. I mean, when you look at why things repeat, why history repeats itself and rhymes, uh, it's because humans don't change very much. You know, in the aggregate, it's it's hard to really say that the things that people want, uh, the things that that motivate people. Um, Things that make people angry, uh, feel you know oppressed or feel uh, valued—all of those things are pretty constant. Uh, and 
of course things are going to play out similarly because none of those things have changed. Uh, and, 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 and when... And and you, you try to teach people history, but like it does seem like once the people that had firsthand experience for when things grow run off the rails die off, everyone starts thinking like, ah, oh, was it really that bad? Or oh, was this thing really that good? Or you know, times yeah. it, it's it's it, it that's that's the I guess that's the mechanism right there that causes it to repeat. You know, I mean that's part of it, and it's why like education is so important, right? Just knowing about things uh, that have happened. And seeing how they happened and why they happened can kind of, if not change how you feel about a thing, at least give you the the perspective to stand back and say, am I repeating these patterns? Um, and, and that's true of like history at large. That's true of your own life. Um, if, if you're not if you're not actively learning uh, about who you are uh, and who humanity is as a species, I feel like you're you're doing everyone a disservice, right? And most of all, yourself. Yeah, and it's also the difference between like a, a student of history and a history buff. You know, you can be like a Civil War buff or a World War II buff, and you know everything about the Wehrmacht and the Panzer tank. And like uh, Marco kind of strikes me as a history buff. He knows a lot about Alexander the Great and ancient conquerors of antiquity and idolizing that, but like other lessons that might be equally pertinent to you know building building his cause and and, and building a great nation for the belt yeah. uh maybe lost on him yeah all right uh let's move on to bill d it says on rewatching the expanse with my wife one thing that really impresses me is just how much foreshadowing there's been all along and he gives a couple of examples in season one episode one it's the first episode of the series for people who are following Avasarala, Avasarala, whoever mm-hmm. tortures uh, and interrogates Chrissy. A, sure, Chrissy tortures and interrogates a pretty extreme belter in possession of Martian stealth tech, which, although grounded in a season one story arc, I thought was a brilliant foreshadowing moment. Because here we are, stealth tech coming back into play in a very different way. Mm-hmm. Uh, likewise, season one, episode four, uh, Avasarala is staged atop their house. Her sorry flowered around her with a terrified look on her face as she watches the stars in what looked like a meteor shower. She tells presumably her grandkid that she worries about people who that throw rocks. Mm-hmm. Damn. Yeah. I mean, that's like that Belter possessing stealth technology. That's real. That's that's just the, that's the Marco outfit. Obviously, that's like before we even knew what it was and what was yeah. going on. That was the consol- that was the consolidation going on behind the scenes. We thought it was all about Dawes and Fred and that battle. We didn't even know and the Martians about, yeah, and all that stuff. Right, right, right. We didn't know what the the the, the real threat brewing. Yeah, and and being like maybe Marco, like if Ganymede hadn't happened, if. Uh, uh, what was the rock that got thrown at Eros? Uh, if Eros hadn't happened, uh, if, if Mars and Earth hadn't weakened themselves and their pointless kind of proxy war, Marco probably wouldn't have been able to rise. But he, they, that happened and he did. So yeah, great, great, great points. Mm-hmm. All right, Christina from Ohio says, got an idea of why Marco may have wanted Monica. Uh, it seemed like she might have wanted her or he might have wanted her to document his uh, ascension of power in a very narcissistic and personal way. Uh, He's shown that particular tick when deciding to use Naomi's code to destroy Tycho and the Rossi uh, and all these associations with her life since she left him. 
Uh, considering he planned this attack around the anniversary of his terrorist attack on the Augustine Gamora with Naomi's code and considers it still his greatest victory, uh, me thinks everything about his revenge and emancipation from the inners is rather stowed in some bitter history with his ex. Yeah, man. Uh, the more I see from Marco, the more I realize that he is a very small, ego-driven man uh, who, yeah. ha- who, who proclaims to have all these high-minded ideals and really... Uh, like, like the the contributor said earlier, uh, of of most people who are in these positions, just wants to be the new oppressor. Um, he mm-hmm. wants to inflate his own ego and be the big man in his own eyes. And how this is very little about his the belt, but more of like a vehicle for his own grandiosity and the fact that yeah. like Naomi willingly walking away and escaping and kind of being a great figure in her own right. Mm-hmm. You know, like you imagine like how many molars must have exploded in his mouth every single time he gets a broadcast about her exploits and she's getting credit for saving the solar system. And she's in this crew with this 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 uh, human and Martian. And she's in, she's a, she's the lover of this kid like that must stick in his craw like a million splinters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's not just about it's not it's not just the betrayal to the cause. It's a personal betrayal. That yeah. she saw him for what he was and, uh, um, you know, really took something from him and maybe a way that no one ever has. Uh, yeah. And he's, he's almost using since. this whole, uh, he's almost using all of the belters to sort of fill that void within himself, right? He's using an entire population of people just to make himself feel better about not being able to manipulate and control his ex lover. Like how how petty of a person could you possibly be? Yeah, and some of these, the other thing you got to wonder about some of these extremist organizations is: do they really want to achieve the objective that they state? Because yeah. if they achieve the, a society of peace and order, they're not needed anymore, and people are going to start asking, like, "Well, how come you won't share power with not you know? Okay, fuck the Earthers and the Martians, but Jesus, there's other people with good ideas here. You know, we don't need to fight a war anymore, Marco. We need to expand. We need. Why are we hungry? Your Lysenko shit's blown up in your face. So they they don't want like it, like they don't want the crisis to end. You know, they don't like some some of the some minority governments out of power don't want to be back in power because then they can be blamed for shit. You know, like, oh, God, uh, we actually hmm. have to lead effectively. It's no longer possible for us to sit and shit on things. Uh, it's no longer uh, enough to be not the other thing. You have to actually yeah. be something else. It's tough. It's tough for demagogues and uh uh, cults of personality like that to make that transition. It's why they in t- these authoritarian, uh, you know, fascist, I'll even throw communist regimes in there, tend to never be at peace because outside that, like, you know, external force that they can always rally against, they don't really have a reason to justify their existence. Um, yeah. And and the 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 need to keep oppressing people. Uh, so Norm says, "Hey all, uh, so Fred gets killed by insurgents, and then Holden and Bull just." head off on the Rastinante? That seems like a bad idea. Doesn't the station need somebody to keep it from falling apart? Is this mildly interesting? And I'm upset the show isn't getting more love from the public. This is seriously the only show I'm making time for, and I feel like people are really missing out. Yes, they are. Agreed. It's, uh, you know, sometimes you get those shows that are underappreciated in their day, and uh, the only thing you can do is appreciate them and help other people appreciate them in a, in a hopefully non-douchey way, but uh, I, yeah, 
Um, so everybody abandoning Tycho Station uh, in probably its moment of need. Yeah, yeah, I feel you on that. Um, th- I, think, I don't know how I, I deep wish... this this rift runs um, with the the crew on Tycho. And, and I feel like that there was maybe a line in this episode that was addressing that because as Bull was coming on to the thing, he was having like this angry conversation with somebody, and he's like, "Yeah, we'll just tell the Tycho Corporation to bill me." Like maybe they're kind of like, "What the fuck?" You know, like the Tycho Corporation itself is kind of like, you know, what's going on. Um, yeah. and I just think that no one under Rasanati cares. Like if yep. Tycho Station gets exploded, then I mean, I guess that would be a bummer for Holden because where else would he go to get refitted and rebuilt and all that kind of stuff? But Fair. yeah, I I don't know because on the other hand, did I don't think that Marco necessarily wanted to destroy Tycho. He wanted to kill Fred Johnson, steal the proto molecule, and embarrass you know this this earth and belter kind of like unification project but i don't know if you wanted to kill everybody it might no longer be a a, a, a target you know like of of uh, terrorist activity it might it might be I, but i don't yeah i mean they, I, importantly, honestly, I haven't really thought about it until this person ra- raised the point yeah that's fair there's a lot of stuff i just don't think about um importantly though holden is gonna go off like it's it's asking a hell of a lot of Holden to stay on Tycho station and try to patch things up there. If he finds out that Naomi is out there, um, under, uh, you know, dress and she, she's in trouble. The, the idea that he wouldn't go out when he, he gets that information, um, eventually is, I, I just don't buy it. Um, he, he's going to go out and he may, you know, stay, on plan, but he's going to be out there in the, the action, mixing it up. And whether Bull goes yeah. with him, I don't know. Like, it seems less likely that Bull would. Um, it seems like maybe Bull should stay on the station. And I forget yeah. his reasoning for actually going out with Holden, but... Um, they need a pilot. But, uh... Yeah, I, that's I, not really a reason. Tycho's also mobile, right? Like, is, is it possible that Tycho's just burning like mad for the inner systems? So and get you know in front of enemy lines because like that Maybe. I forgot that like, they established that that like Tycho's a mobile station. Sometimes it's orbiting this, sometimes it's orbiting that, sometimes it's wherever it needs to be to to make the supply lines work. So like it could be that like the whole station's burning like mad to the inner the inner core to be protected by the fleet. Um, because they also made the the point that like one of the reasons that Tycho you know didn't really need beefy defenses. It doesn't have like a fleet protecting it or gun emplacements of stuff. Is just because they spent so much money and the campaigns of both earth and mars that like anyone that raised a hand against them would be smacked down by all sides that had power yeah but that leaves out the belt so um and fred i guess handled the belt unity so i yeah it's it's mm. you're you're right that's a big power vacuum and the show's just kind of been like meh so far so we'll see what happens All right, Jacob says, curious if you guys picked up on this or not, um, or if I'm just inflating this moment in my head, but didn't Drummer tip her hand to Marco that there was a secret recording of his plan by discussing with him the song Ashford was singing at his death? There's no way she could have known that information other than via recording. And in my last understanding, this would be new information to Marco. He should be able to easily connect the dots and realize the drummer maybe, uh, the drummer sent the recording through to Earth, allowing Earth to prepare enough to destroy the final rocks. Um, I guess, but at this point, Mark, why would Marco care? Like the plan, like Earth, Earth was smacked pretty hard. They stopped it halfway through, but still four, I believe, rocks got through. Um, this could be kind of like this is past that they were trying to move past. 
Um, maybe he suspected, maybe he didn't. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, is there any I, chance I, I that this think it comes, didn't matter to him? Is there any chance this comes back on him? Because like, I remember all the stuff around Marco when they had him in the airlock and they were deciding whether or not to space him and Ashford voted to not space him. And you had kind of all of the, the factions of the, the OPA or whatever, the belters out there sort of deciding on that. Is there any way this sort of turns some tide of support that Marco has against him when they find out that so, he cause... spaced Ashford the guy who showed mercy on him. I, I don't know. It does feel like Marco has a tenuous grasp on most of the factions, like especially drummer, right? Like does there's it feel t- tenuous because like, I do think that like, he's got all these hostages, the people support him. Like, you know, you turn on these news channels and they're chanting his name, which must play great on earth and Mars. I think some of them are, but uh, you look at Tycho and there are a lot who aren't. So I, I don't there know. are a lot who are, but there were also a lot that were. You know, it's uh-huh. like, like if he has fifty one percent of the belt, then he essentially has it all. Uh, especially since the thing that he has that no one else has is this vast military. Like the the he's got like probably at this point got to be ninety percent of the belter's fleet and like ninety nine percent of its actual combat effective power. Uh, mm-hmm. It's yeah. So so I I do think that like so long, but so were the belters. I don't know that the Belters give a damn that he broke his word and went against them because that was what Belt. That's what the you know Ashford and and Drummer kind of counting on that like well if he goes you know if he goes against his word and doesn't attack and and brings a lot of heat what they weren't expecting is him to like take out Mother Earth and just cripple it mm-hmm. and that's so fucking badass that what you know like the, almost the ends justify the means in, in the average Belter's eyes so like I just Maybe. I don't I think these are political problems that are in the past and he doesn't give a shit if. Because he didn't expect Drummer to be loyal to him, like especially after he killed, you know, Ashford. Uh, he doesn't. He didn't expect her to be lo- like. Now he expects her to be loyal because he's got her crew member and he's got the power and all that stuff. But it's not loyalty based on admiration, respect, or trust. It's 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 loyalty based on fear and having Absolutely. no other choice. Which you know, and I think he's very comfortable running. With forty five percent of his support being out of fear, I think he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't. Ma- he doesn't mind that at all. Okay, well, he's gonna. He's probably needs to be on the lookout for more guys like Sin, uh, who mm-hmm. may you know not have that. Uh, it's I don't know, whatever it is that keeps them the from family. rebelling. I know it's always the family got to watch out for. You know. Uh, so Adamy e says, "Hey guys, we've watched the series twice. Uh, most recently in preparation for season five. And I have no recollection whatsoever of any mention or groundwork laid concerning people with genetic modifications. Am I losing my mind? Did I simply manage to miss it twice? Or did they reference this stuff in earlier seasons? Uh, any backstory or detail oh, you yeah. can provide on the subject, I would be I would much appreciate because I feel I'm missing out specifically on Julie Mao's character development. Uh, Julie? It, yeah, he, he might mean Claire. I don't know. Uh, because uh, yeah no this has been like in season one i i know is in the books i thought i remember isn't there a sequence in the show where they they have like these this series of weird bumps and incisions on miller's neck and they uh the the belters recognize that like oh you were a rich you're a rich belter kid because your parents were able to afford afford your disc fusing and bone lengthening things to make you look kind of normal and we're the you know and uh they, they, they've yeah I think I think that's been not a huge part because we haven't seen a lot of like genetically and and it, I guess he's referring to tiny 
and yeah. and Clarissa and some of these extreme modifications. I just don't we think we've we've seen a lot of that. We also know that like it's trivial to replace an arm, uh, you know, because like some guy loses his arm in an iceberg, you know, an ice hauling accident. And they're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get a better one. The company's going to pay for blah, blah, blah. And I can go for the bio replacement or I can go for the mechanical one. And like, they're yeah, I think fingers t- when he gets those blown off, Amos his fingers, they've solved cancer with some kind of fucking pyramid thing injected. Like this is this is 400 years into the future, everybody. Like, yeah, I, I think they it, it's it's not like they just introduced this like in the last season or two. This has been something that's kind of been. And even even if you want to say to introduce in season three with Clarissa Mao, like that was the beginning, like like the midpoint of season three. That, that's still like fairly early. But yeah, I, I don't have any problems with that at all for those reasons. Yeah, I guess- in the book, it's they even talk a, like a lot more about it. Like some parents are able to like if you're wealthy, you go to Ganymede. Uh, to get a little bit of you know to get some gravity and to get under and or what was again which is the there is a moon of either Saturn or Jupiter that has a pretty thick atmosphere in real life and like you, you like pregnant women go there to like be shielded from radiation and stuff uh, like you know like it's kind of like little microcosm of you know things on earth if you have wealthy parents you're going to be able to afford braces and best medical care and you're going to be have a good diet and you're going to be probably larger and stronger have better mental acuity at school and those those advantages compound and if you you're born to poor kids in a, in a impoverished sections of the country those disadvantages compound and like this is like almost to a very extreme extent out uh, happening in the belt so uh they, they've definitely laid that kind of like what use genetic modification, body modification, post kind of transhumanism stuff pretty early mm-hmm. on, I think. And then finally, Zeke uh, has a couple of world questions that he was curious if we could answer. Uh, first of all, do we have a population count on each, uh, <laughs> what do we call them, race, planet, group, whatever? Uh, I think we've heard that Earth is around 30 billion. Do we know the number of Martians and Belters? Uh, I asked because Marco Adaro is killing a few million Earthers and confining both planets to their atmosphere would seem potentially detrimental to evolution and genetic diversity if Belters only number a few and want to colonize hundreds of worlds. Um, I th- So genetic diversity is a problem. I know there's some populations like of animals, like I think cheetahs, people are worried about that like there are so few and there's so, the population so inbred that they might be like right on the threshold of not having genetic diversity where they can come back to full healthy populations but like i looked this up because i didn't know the numbers myself and there's a you know pretty nice uh wikipedia on fandom.com for the expanse and they list the and i'm assuming they they, these are all numbers that have sources um from uh i I guess this is some of this stuff comes right they have to the page number if you want to look this up yourself where this comes from but earth the united nations uh has 24 billion people in its population uh, and I think that includes Earth and Luna, uh, the moon. And the Martian Congressional Republic boasts 9 billion population of citizens, where the belt has between uh, 50 million and 100,000. All those numbers are sufficient to provide genetic diversity for, like, like that's that's way, 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 way more. I think I read at one point that, like, scientists think that the human species almost went extinct and was down to, like, uh, 30 to, to 60 people um and that, that and repopulated from from there so huh. like that that's okay. definitely enough genetic material to 
you know, now I, if you send essentially a Winnebago full of people to a planet and it's just like, you know, two families, like you might have a little bit of inbred bullshit going on there. But like, unless you do something really stupid like that, it's, it's, it, you, they'll be fine. Um, I was actually shocked at the numbers here because, um, you know, I've done a lot of like, you know, futurism reading and like a lot of the, a lot of scientists think that the earth's population of current trends are continue will level off somewhere between 10 and 12 billion people because, uh, as life expectancy in a country increases, education increases, uh, women's equality so they can start working and, and providing for the family increases birth rates is plummet because it's really a pain in the ass to have 12 kids. Like you have 12 kids because you need people to work the farm. You need to replace the some because half of them are going to die because of some preventable disease, infant mortality, blah, blah, blah. Like most, most intelligent humans and, and humans are defined by our intelligence. Won't just have babies like the Duggar situation, you know, where like people just like, Hey, I just want to have fucking 20 kids or whatever. That's kind of crazy. Sure. I mean, That's I've kind seen of like idiocracy. outside the norm. I know all yeah. about it. Yeah. So like if that's the case, then like Earth levels off to the to 10 or like a stable population or 10 or 12 billion. Might some people even think it'll start shrinking back down because the birth rate will go below one to one uh, and it'll, it'll fall to a stable, stable. Man. I, the 25 billion like or 24 billion seems like two and a half times more than an estimate. So but again, I, I do think that you're supposed to understand the expanse is a bit of a dystopia. Um like yeah. that, that nothing changes the, the the income inequality, the environmental damage. Like like we kind of tech our way out of it, but it leaves billions and billions and billions of people who have substance, sustenance and substance, but they don't have any kind of like hope for the future. Like you know, like UBI is not a salvation; it's a chain around your neck. Um, and whether you believe that or not, I guess depends on how the next hundred years go. Really, sure. Uh, whether we let the uh, Mal Wachowskis or whatever of yeah. the universe just own everything, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I bet UBI goes a lot, uh, a lot farther if if uh, you sell off a racing penis or two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he needs he needs a racing penis and he needs the mothership to hold three of them. Uh, sure. Or else sure. is free is freedom really a thing? If if Jules yeah. Pierre Meow cannot single handedly uh, stride the stars as a as a as a god, you know, like what what's the point of having individual dignity and freedom if you can't have one guy being a quintillionaire? I mean, really, really, are any of us free? It's true. If 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 one of us can't be a god, you gotta you gotta ask questions like that. Just gotta honestly. work harder. Just work harder, work more, uh, yeah. and be smarter. And all of us have a shot at being quintillionaires. You got to go back 200 years into the past to have your great, great, great grandfather invent the, <laughs> the railroad drive. And yeah, exactly. You, you have to hit, hit your great, great, great grandfather had to have the contract to build the North Atlantic seawall. Mm-hmm. And then you too can, can have some green space on earth and your own private fleet of ships. So that's, that's what we want. Uh, and the second question, how much of the outer planets or moons have been colonized? We know about Phoebe and Ganymede, but Jupiter and Saturn and Uranus, Definitely have hundreds of moons between them. Do they all have posts or just the viable ones? Um, So I'm going to I'm going to cite the Wikipedia article again. It says the United Nations controls the uh, Earth, Luna, Jupiter, Ganymede, Europa, Io and Callisto, the asteroid belt, Ceres and Eros, uh, Uranus, the moon Titania, which I think is the largest moon of that. They for sure control Uranus. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> and Saturn, the the moon of Titan. Um, that one might be the one of the atmosphere I was talking about. Um, and then in uh, Mars controls, of course, Mars, Deimos, and Phobos. Uh, Saturn, the moon of Phoebe. Um, and then the Outer Planets Alliance uh, maintain control over Ceres. And that's about it. Um, and other various holdings and asteroid belts. Oh, not so, anymore. They got Pallas. They got... Yeah. yeah. So th- that's the thing. It's like there's these lesser things. I don't know like who actually has uh, c- control over it. Um, and how small oh, yeah, of a rock of- is useful to them. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I... that That's, that's a great question. But it seems like uh, it's more of like... Um, is a place viable... Um, you know, is the expense to hollow out an asteroid and spin stabilize it is like, as that's like, you know, a, a big expense. Um, and I guess a Tyco corporation did a lot of that kind of work, um, versus like building space stations. And now, now that you got the, the great frontier opening up, uh, it, it's, 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 but I imagine any asteroid worth the, the problem here, the asteroid belt is it's not infinite. Like for example, Ceres I think contains 15% of the total mass of the asteroid belt. Uh, I know Pallas because I just looked it up is another 9%. Uh, wow. There's Vesta, the one that's in between. It's kind of shaped like a potato. Uh, it's one of the only ones of its size. It's not like spheroid contains like another uh, like 11. So like there, those three planets contain a third of the mass, the habitable area of the, the asteroids. Like you get down out of the top 10 asteroids, and you're talking just like you, you you might mine those rocks. You might haul them back for water and platinum and shit. But to live on them? Mm-hmm. Nah, not really. And same way, like you get outside the the, the main uh, uh, the Galilean moons of Jupiter and they're just weird mismatched, you know, captured asteroids, essentially. So there's just not that much space once you get past those main those main installations. That's the um, thing about Venus the belters. is uninhabitable. Mars is uninhabitable. Uh, maybe you can do like those cloud city type things in, in the upper atmosphere of Mars that people have kind of talked about. But like there's yeah, there's Are, wait, you know, Mars. No, you're talking about did I say Mars. I meant Venus. OK, I meant Venus. Yeah, yeah. That you, you can have these cloud city operations uh, floating on the dense atmosphere of, of Venus. I've, I've seen some like, you know, futurist speculation on that. But but yeah, there's just I, not a lot, not, not a lot out there in space for us. That's the thing. The belters were never meant to be a civilization, right? They were meant to be a workforce right. uh, for the inner planets. And they've turned into, you know, over generations, their own culture, their own civilization. And, and they've got to feel like they're stuck in a bottle. But good news. I just read an, uh, an interview with Elon Musk yesterday. Says he's planning on colonized Mars. And if you can't afford to get there, mm-hmm. don't worry. There's going to be corporations that'll pay you, and you just mm-hmm. work a couple years, and you can work all that payment off, and you can spend your money hmm. at the company store, and you can live in the company apartments, and it's it's uh it uh, it's a situation that rhymes with uh, uh indentured burvitude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's nothing. It's 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 a policy that's never been tried on Earth before. I'm really excited to see where it goes. I'm really excited to see what the South African ruby miner comes uh, up with for 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 acceptable working conditions for these people. Uh, it's it's boy, whoo, so exciting. I'm signing up. I'm signing up. I've had enough Earth. I want I want to try the dream of Mars. Try lives on in Elon Musk, baby. <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> the nightmare of Mars, more like it. But yeah, like that's just. But that's that's just that. Isn't that hilarious that you've got a guy who's like not even like he's just laying it out. Like, yeah, don't worry, we'll fly you there. You just have to, you know, work makes free. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So there you go. 
Uh, that's it. That's all we got for uh, feedback for this week. Yeah, uh, see it. Send us some more expanse at baldmove.com. And don't forget, every Sunday, uh, we have Sci Fi Sunday where we watch two really fun episodes of Star Trek. And boy, we're in the middle of just the golden age of Star Trek The Next Generation. Yeah. Uh, this, this episodes we're going to be look at, looking at this week. I know one of them is data creating a child. That's inherently interesting. It's a, lo- a fun concept. And then we're going to look at the week's episode, The Expanse, with a bunch of rabid Expanse fans. It's a lot of fun. It's happening at twitch.tv slash baldmove. It's free to participate in. All you need is a, uh, a free Twitch account and uh, a uh, an Amazon Prime account. If you got those two, about 30 seconds hooks those accounts together. And you can watch the episode live with us, sync to our commentary and chat. It's a lot of fun. It's 8 p.m. Eastern. It happens every Sunday night. Uh, twitch.tv slash bald move hope you got uh, see you guys there uh we're also uh posting these podcasts as video podcasts on youtube if you guys are interested yeah. in checking those out uh we have a youtube channel that we post a lot of stuff to uh pretty pretty regularly so youtube.com slash bald move if, if you're not a twitch person but you still want video yeah if you want to see kind of like the other stuff bald move does we do lots of tv shows lots of movie reviews uh and stuff of that that nature on youtube.com slash bald move mm-hmm but I think that'll wrap us up for this week. Can't wait to see what happens. How does Naomi MacGyver her way out of this crazy situation she's found herself into? We'll find out together next week. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. Later. Later.